Welcome to the Develop Yourself podcast, where we teach you everything you need to land your first job as a software developer by developing yourself, developing your skills, your network, your habits, and more. I'm your host, Aaron Hayslip, and today we're going to be talking about the number one reason people fail coding boot camps. Let me start by saying that I have sort of an inside scoop on coding boot camps. Um, for one, I went through a coding boot camp in the early days when they first launched, actually, as a code school in Austin, Texas, called Maker Square, which became Hack Reactor, which became Galvanize, and I think has been sold again to a bigger company. After that, I went on to work as a software engineer and mentored at said coding boot camp. And then I went overseas and actually started uh, one of the first coding boot camps in the Middle East and worked there for a while and then moved to Raleigh, Durham, North Carolina, where I started a coding boot camp and worked for several years before we transitioned and started a new fully online, quote, coding boot camp. Um, and that's what I run now, which is Parsi. So I've got a ton of inside data on our students as it relates to coding boot camps and really the reason why people fail coding boot camps. But before we get into that, I do want to make a sociological statement. Some people have a more difficult time succeeding, especially in tech, depending on their background, gender, ethnicity, etc. It is not an even playing field. That is not necessarily what we're going to be diving into in this episode. But I want to be clear that as a young white male, someone like me has a much better chance of succeeding just based off of our background alone. That being said, right off the bat here, I'm going to show you my cards. I believe the number one reason people fail coding boot camps is because they're not prepared enough. And not necessarily in the ways you would think. It's not that they can't write JavaScript well enough, which is sometimes true of students who come into the program. They are not prepared enough. I mean, that is the main reason why we require an entrance coding test before you can even join our program. But it's not just technical skills, it's personality, it's emotional maturity, it's professionalism. There are a ton of things that you can do to begin preparing for this career transition. And to be honest, that's the purpose of this entire podcast, develop yourself. There is a way that you can develop yourself so that you are more prepared for a coding bootcamp or more prepared to land your first job as a software engineer in general. We're going to go into what those things are in this episode, but I also want to address sort of the elephant in the room here. What if people fail coding bootcamps because the coding bootcamps aren't any good? And this is actually the question I was thinking about when I came up with this idea for a, a podcast episode. I was breaking down every element of our code school and trying to think of if I was going to double down in one area of our program to make it better, what area would that be? So I kind of really just isolated every one of the things that we spend a lot of our resources on. The first one, of course, being the curriculum, right? That might come to mind for yourself. You might be thinking, well, students fail coding boot camps because the curriculum isn't good enough to teach them, which might be true, right? In, in some cases, it is true. The curriculum works better for one type of student than another, or the curriculum is not very good, or, or it's not up to date. These are the realities of, of some code schools. So that's one possibility, right? Maybe students fail coding boot camps and they don't end up getting jobs because their curriculum isn't good enough. Well, maybe it's not the coding curriculum. Maybe it's the career development curriculum, right? Maybe the coding bootcamp isn't able to help students prepare their resume well enough to, to learn how to network or create their LinkedIn profile. That could be it. 
Or maybe it's actually the career services, right? A lot of times coding boot camps will assign career coaches to students and really help guide them through the job search process. Maybe that's why people fail coding boot camps is because they don't have good enough career services. Or maybe it's what we call partnerships. Maybe it's the actual connections that the code school has with local or, or companies from all over the world and connecting those graduates with those companies. Maybe a code school isn't any good at that and that's what's causing these students to not get jobs. So obviously as the founder of a code school, I wanted to know which one of these is sort of our weakest links in, in our own program. And really the impetus to think through these things for, for me and our program, Parsity, was that I've got a few months coming up where I'm gonna have some more free time to where I can you know, invest deeply in one of these areas of our program. And I was trying to think to myself, well, what area could I invest deeply in? And that made me think about this question, why do people fail coding boot camps? Or to spin it the other way, the, the positive way, to think about why have people been successful in the programs I've started before. So what I did is I went line by line and, and we publish, we've always published our stats through an online organization called SEER. It stands for the Council on Integrity and Results Reporting. It's a third party organization that, that, that audits your stats and makes sure that the things you're publishing, if you say yes, 90% of students get jobs within three months or whatever, they make sure that's true by verifying offer letters, et cetera. So we got spreadsheets of data with students, their actual offer letters, their names, their salaries, et cetera. So what I did is I went line by line through each one of those successful students and I asked myself, why was this student successful? Or rather, what's the number one reason why they were successful, right? Obviously, these things had to work together. We had to have good curriculum, good career development, good career services, good partnerships. But if I could point to one thing that contributed to their success the most, then let's make sure that I protect that one thing. I double down on it, right? If it's the curriculum, then let's make sure that I spent all of my waking time thinking, eating, breathing the curriculum. So as I went through this list, I, I could really could, I could probably pinpoint, you know, one or two things that was really helpful for each individual student. But at the end of it all, I was a little bit all over the place. I could not nail down one thing that was the most helpful thing for every student. I couldn't, I couldn't find a theme here, right? So for example, you might have one student who struggled with parts of the curriculum but had really great connections and ended up getting a job. Or you might have one student who had the opposite, didn't have any good connections, but they made a ton of, of side projects. So since that wasn't helpful, I started walking through the stories of people who ended up not getting a job after our program. And thankfully, this is a, a really small group uh, of students, right? Uh, oftentimes, these are people who have either dropped out during the program for whatever reason. Most of the time, it's personal issues. They have something happen and their family, which you know you, you just can't help, um, or perhaps it's because they they got burnt out, they didn't feel prepared enough, or they did graduate and they didn't get a job, or it took them a very long time to find a job, or they end up giving up on the job search process and went back to their previous career. So I went through this list and started thinking to myself, well, what's the biggest cause of their quote failure? And I don't really want to say failure because I'm not sure that they would all put it like that, and, and I wouldn't put it like that either, but what I do wanna say and be very clear about it and honest about is they started the program with the intent of getting a job as a software engineer, and they finished the program and they did not ever get a job as a software engineer. So that's why I'm saying that this is a, a coding bootcamp failure. They, they are not a failure 
per se, right? But this situation um, failed, right? They, it, they failed to achieve the thing that we set out for them to achieve. And of course, these situations are, are complicated, but I do want to acknowledge and own the role that we play in that process, right? Even if a student is not prepared for the program, it's up to us in as much as we can to prevent them from doing the program if they're not prepared. That's why we have an admissions code challenge and it's pass fail. And if, if you don't pass it, you're not going to be in the program, not because we're mean and we want you to be awesome. We only want the best, we're like Harvard or something. Um, but because rather we want to make sure that you're successful in the program for your own good as well. But in the end, besides large life issues that ended up coming up for, for some of these students, I, I really concluded that the number one reason why people did not do well in the code school or ended up not getting a job is because they weren't prepared enough. That's, that's really it. And like I said, it's not that they weren't prepared enough in terms of coding and some of them were not, but they weren't prepared enough in terms of who they were. All to say my conclusion, my own conclusion from the data that we have and my, you know, I guess sort of it's still a hypothesis because I could be proven wrong here. But my conclusion is that the number one factor to why a person may or may not succeed in a given coding bootcamp, you know, one that's somewhat reputable and has a history of actually helping people learn how to code and get jobs is who they are when the code school started. So let me rephrase that another way. The number one factor in your success in a coding bootcamp or a code school, or the number one factor in your success when it comes to learning a code and landing your first job as a software developer is who you are. So if you're gonna do a coding bootcamp, the number one factor that will lead to your success is who you are when you start the coding bootcamp. Because again, if it's a reputable school, it's not the curriculum, it's not the instructors, you know, all of those things will help you either have more frustration or less frustration. It will make it easier or harder, but ultimately it comes down to who you are. So I know that sounds quite a bit abstract. So we're gonna try and break those down. I think there's four areas of your skill set, your personality that you can work on that will make you more prepared to land your first job as a software engineer. So four things, I'm gonna walk through them. One is your technical skills. You might say, duh, that's the obvious one, right? You need to be well prepared when walking into a coding bootcamp. Essentially, let's see how fast you can hit your wall of progress on your own. In other words, I'd encourage you to start off by teaching yourself how to code, right? Teach yourself JavaScript as much as you can and teach yourself as much as you can in general. And if at some point you either cannot teach yourself anything else, it's becoming too frustrating, or your velocity like you just slows down, right? You're no longer able to learn as fast as you were before, then you're probably ready for a coding bootcamp because the whole point of, of jumping into something like that is for it to help you progress at a reasonable rate so that you can land a job as a software engineer within a reasonable time frame. So number one is technical skills. Of course, we're gonna be talking about what these skills are and how to prepare well for a coding bootcamp um, in, in many future episodes uh, of this podcast. And the second one here is your personal development. And under the umbrella of personal development, we're talking about your, your character, your maturity, um, your own productivity, your ability to set large goals and to make daily disciplined, sacrificial decisions that will lead you to your ultimate goals. You know, your ability to not get sidetracked by fleeting pleasures. 
you're not going to get distracted by YouTube videos when you should be watching coding tutorial videos, for example. So that area of personal development, that's one that I'm personally very passionate about. Um, I'm very geeky about, you know, I, I started off in college um, and, and through high school, really a mess of a person. I'm still pretty irresponsible in a lot of areas of, of my life, um, but there are some things I've done over the last few years that has really helped me figure this area of my life out and to be able to achieve a lot of, a lot of really great things um, in a short amount of time. So we'll be talking a ton about personal development in future episodes of the podcast as well. And number three is career development, right? I, I refer to this as career development because this is your ability to essentially set career goals and go out and achieve them. These are things like networking, your technical interview skills, your communication skills, your emailing skills, um, all the things that would be involved with you building out your professional network, your resume, your LinkedIn, the things that you need in order to land a job. Now, of course, um, at a code school, hopefully they'll be teaching you these things at Parsity. We dive into this um, you know, fairly in depth, but the more that you can prepare yourself on your own for this, the better you'll do when you ultimately come to graduation and are on the job search. Number four is what I would refer to as software engineering practices. So this is anything that you would do as a software engineer that's a soft skill, but strictly related to the job of a software engineer. So here's an example. You know, right now you might be learning to code on your own, but software is built on a team. So in the future, you'll likely be on a development team with front-end engineers, back-end engineers, maybe QA, and you'll be building software together. So what do you do whenever you get stuck? You know, how often should you as a new developer ask questions? How do you collaborate on a project and ensure that you're carrying the weight? What do you do when you know you're going to miss a deadline? So this set of skills and experiences will enable you to push through failure, um, gain confidence, and ultimately contribute in meaningful ways that are crucial in your ability to grow as a developer. So to recap, these four things, one, technical skills, two, personal development, three, career development, for software engineering best practices, these four things you can work on before the coding bootcamp. Now the coding bootcamp itself should be highlighting all four of these areas of your development, right? They should be growing your technical skills, obviously by teaching you to code through their curriculum. They should be helping you with your personal development, you know, how to actually focus when you're learning to code. They should help you with your career development, how to set up your resume and how to network and they should train you in your software engineering practices. These, these are, you know, hopefully group projects where you're gonna collaborate together, learn verge control, and figure out how to build real software in a team. Okay, but let's talk about some practical things that you can actually do on your own before you jump into a coding bootcamp to prepare really well. Let's, let's go through each of these four items, we can call them four competencies, and just have a practical takeaway for one way that you can work on that thing right now, or at least a good first step. So the first up here is technical skills. Now, if you've never started anywhere in terms of learning to code, then I always have the same piece of advice for, for new beginners. Start by learning JavaScript completely. Honestly, any programming language works, but I say JavaScript for a number of reasons. Let me break this down. If you don't know any coding at all yet, don't start with HTML and CSS. Oftentimes, a lot of online tutorials or even code schools will start you with HTML and CSS, but it gives you, um, unfortunately, some, some false confidence because you can write some code, you can use some CSS and, and change some colors. You get instant feedback um, from, you know, you 
wrote CSS color red, and suddenly the, the color changes to red. Um, but then you go to JavaScript, right? That's, that's usually what they do next is say, okay, cool, we know HTML, CSS, now let's start to learn some JavaScript. And suddenly you get knocked in the face because this isn't what you signed up for. You thought coding was fun. You thought there was this instant gratification feedback loop, yet learning to program is completely different. That's because HTML and CSS are markup languages. They are not actual programming languages. They don't have logic in them. So start with JavaScript instead. Start where it is most difficult. This is probably gonna be the steepest cliff to climb. Um, but once you learn the fundamentals of JavaScript, you will be so much better off in terms of being able to learn anything next. In fact, at Parsity, our program requires that you take a code challenge and we only test you on JavaScript because we are assuming that you're probably gonna be okay picking up HTML and CSS relatively quickly. So with JavaScript, learn the basics, learn um, you know declaring variables, how to do conditionals, loops, functions, objects, um, arrays, looping through arrays, etc. right? And if you can learn these things, and by the way, like I said, it's gonna be really hard because every time you go through one of these concepts, whether you're you know focusing that week on learning about arrays or objects, you won't have any context, right? You'll be thinking to yourself, great, I'm learning all of this information, but I have no idea how I'm gonna use it. And that's just the way it is in the beginning, right? You have to learn the entirety of the language before you're able to put the smaller pieces together and actually solve real problems. But if you can get over this one hurdle, right, this initial hurdle of learning the entire fundamentals of a programming language, then you can finally put everything together and start to solve real world problems. And when you start to solve real world problems by either building small applications um, or, or websites or whatever it is, you're gonna get this instant gratification loop that's gonna show you why you are working as hard as you've been working. And no longer will you have to be as self-motivated because just the fact that you can build stuff is gonna be motivating in itself on its own. So all I have to say, for technical competency, a great next step for you, if you haven't already, learn JavaScript. I'd say it's gonna take you a couple of months on your own. We have a course online called JavaScript in 25 Days. There is a free version of it, which is just the curriculum itself, um, or you can do a paid version with an instructor. Um, and, and that really is designed for this exact moment I'm talking about. You're, you're trying to learn how to code on your own, maybe do a coding bootcamp, you're not sure yet. Jump into that, learn the hardest thing first, and once you get beyond that, life as a beginner developer will be so much easier for you. So that's what I would say to do um, for this first competency. Next, let's move into this idea of personal development. There are a ton of things you can do in terms of personal development to become a more productive person. But as it relates to you, the beginner developer, more than anything, you need to invest time in learning to code, right? Eyes on the screen, fingers on the keyboard, nothing else is going to matter. You have to actually do the work of learning to code. So you can use this opportunity from you know number one there where you're learning JavaScript to exercise this second takeaway, which is to set a weekly coding goal for yourself. So how many hours a week do you wanna invest in learning to code? Is it five, 10, 15? You know, I, I suggest that before you apply to jobs, you invest at least 500 to 1,000 hours of coding. So this is 10 to 20 hours a week for an entire year 
that you're investing in learning to code. Now, there are some strategies here to do this, right? You need to set up your weekly schedule. You might need some folks to help hold you accountable. Um, you're definitely going to need to stay motivated. So you're gonna need to connect these, you know, every day, these times of learning to code to a bigger goal of becoming a software engineer. You need to answer the question for yourself, why do you wanna become a software engineer? What will your life look like afterward? For practical help with this, we have a free course called How to Focus When Learning to Code. You can get access to that free course at parsity.io slash focus. In the course, we have a bunch of templates for setting up your weekly coding schedule and really how to organize a very busy schedule around you know this ambitious goal of, of coding for you know perhaps 20 hours a week. So even if you've got kids and a full-time job, you can devote a significant amount of time to coding. Um, just, just follow the, the tips that we provide in that course. Number three, career development. There's a lot I could say here about career development, but one baby step you could take right now is get on LinkedIn, find a friend that you know who is a software engineer and offer to buy them lunch. Take them out to lunch and ask them just about every question you could about their job as a software engineer. I promise you, um, unless they are a real jerk, <laughs> this person will probably be more than willing to sit down and talk about what it is that they do all day long, right? As people, we love for others to be interested in what we do. I actually did this many years ago. It was a friend of mine from my college days named Jason Bradshaw. And, and Jason worked at this amazing startup in downtown Austin, Texas. And I would see things on their Facebook page where it looked like once a month on Fridays, they would all go out to a bar or a movie. They basically have the day off to spend time together. They had daily catered lunch from Whole Foods. They had uh, beer on tap at work, ping pong. I mean, it, it just seemed like an amazing place to work. And I had to think to myself, man, what does Jason do that enables him to work at a cool company like this? And sure enough, he was a, a software engineer. So I called Jason up and just said, hey man, I would love to learn more about what it means to become a software engineer. I've been you know, trying to teach myself how to code as well. Can I buy you lunch at the Chipotle next to your office, right? I used Google Maps. I figured out what would be convenient for, for Jason. And I'll, and I'll never forget the conversation I had with Jason. He was so encouraging, but also just gave me this realistic picture of what it looks like to learn how to code. He was just encouraging me that I would really have to change the way my brain worked and, and the way I, I thought. Um, and lo and behold, you know, years down the road, when I actually took the leap to go through a code school and learn how to code, um, I ended up getting a job at this same company right next door to that Chipotle. And uh, from then on, it, it, I would eat lunch at Chipotle with Jason or the catered Whole Foods lunch that we'd get. And I would be in ping pong tournaments. Um, Jason was sort of became my my mentor more or less while I worked at that company and really got me through the first few months of my life as a software engineer. He really showed me the ropes. So all I have to say, this all stemmed from me reaching out and asking him to lunch to, to kind of connect about tech and to ask him about what it looked like to be a software engineer and what it looked like to be a software engineer at his company. So you should do the same and hopefully you'll have results that are half as good as the results that I had doing that. And then for number four, software engineering practices, I'd say join a community, right? Join a community of learners who you can collaborate with from time to time you can build projects with, you can encourage one another toward your journey to becoming a software engineer. Obviously in a coding bootcamp, this is built in where you have learners who are hopefully on the same level as you. 
going through the learning process and you will be building projects together. But if you go to parsity.io slash community, we have a few ways for you to get connected with our own learning community. We hold regular events, we have a Slack channel, and we would love for you to get connected there so you don't have to be alone in these initial stages of your path to becoming a software engineer. So there you go, four things that you can be doing right now to prepare yourself to become a software engineer, whether you're going through a coding bootcamp or you're just beginning this entire process of what it looks like for you to learn to code and land a job as a software developer. That is it for this episode of the Develop Yourself podcast. You can find more information about this podcast, including show notes and links mentioned in the episode at parsity.io slash podcast. And you can find more information about Parsity, our online code school at parsity.io. That's P-A-R-S-I-T-Y dot I-O.